Let's go to the Lord and, and pray together. Father, we come this morning and we rejoice and we pray that as we now turn to your word, we would keep rejoicing that you would help our days even to be filled with praise upon praise and that we would go about our days praising you continually. There is never a time where it's not appropriate to praise you And so help us, Lord, to see the 10,000 plus and more ways and reasons we have to praise your great name, O Lord. Thank you for your Son through whom we come this morning and we live and we have life because of Him and Him alone. Thank you for Jesus the name that is indeed above every name it will be and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is Lord, the glory of God, the Father. And so we come and we, even now, we confess He is Lord. He is our Lord. And so we pray, Father, as we come now and turn to Your Word, help us to recognize that You are Lord over us. And now we are come to come under you, with you as our master, and as the one we are coming to hear from and to follow. Help us, Lord, to obey. Give us grace to obey and to walk in all your good word. So help us, Lord, and be with us. Open our hearts, our minds. Help our hands and our feet. Help us that we would hear your word, receive it, and act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, in college, my undergraduate degree was in business administration. And as I did, you know, all my schooling through that time with business and everything else, walking through, of course, all the different areas that you would walk through in business, you know, finance and so on, accounting, and uh, of course came to marketing as well. Well, for many years now, there has been one marketing method that has proven to be more effective uh, for uh, companies than any other, Uh, more effective and proven to be more effective in in reaching people than any other. So amidst all the ads, the commercials, the billboards, and everything else, this one approach has stood at the top. It was this method that propelled Starbucks. You may have heard of that, Starbucks before. You may have Starbucks with you right now. Well, they propelled Starbucks into the limelight, and even now, you know, Starbucks, it's central to their strategy. Tesla, the Cybertruck, like it or not, they use this method primarily above all others. Well, in 2017 as well, a man, uh, well, I guess he was a youth at the time, Carter Wilkerson, he had 
a tweet go viral because of this method. When he asked this question, Yo, Wendy's, how many retweets for a year of free chicken nuggets? And Wendy's, they answered back, 18 million. Well, he reached 3.4 million retweets, and he became the most retweeted tweet of all time. And in case you're wondering, yes, he did get the chicken nuggets as well for a year. Well, what is this method that so powerfully moves people to action? It's word of mouth. One person telling another person. Ingenious. Never would have thought of that. Well, but is this really all that surprising? People are more inclined to listen to actual people. So is it any, any surprise then that with the gospel, what are we then called to do? We are called to go and share this good news person to person. We are to be living witnesses to the gospel, living witnesses to the word who was God, who was with God and was God. So it is to this word that we see here then in the gospel of John that we are to be witnesses. So thus we come then to our passage this morning where we see someone who would do just that. He would come to bear witness to the Word. So, if you have a Bible, please turn with me then to John chapter 1, verse 6. And we'll be reading the verse. We will continue with the next passage here in the Gospel of John. May God help us see and believe all of his inerrant word this morning. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. So right off here you may have noticed something and you may be even saying to yourself wait a minute We were just reading about the Word. And now we're reading about John. I mean, what just happened? 
it, the gospel began, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and now all of a sudden, here's John. <laughs> it seems like an interruption here in the narrative, but let me just say, it is not an interruption. As we saw last time, John, the author of the gospel here, is writing this gospel very carefully. We saw that last time as well. He is adding here another layer for us of awe and wonder, where he showed us in the opening verses, in the beginning, Genesis 1.1, taking us back to Genesis 1.1 and helping us to see everything was right then, but now in John 1.1, in the beginning... Everything is not right, but God is doing something to make all things right. The Word. So now, he is coming and introducing John to add another layer for us of awe and wonder at God's doings. So why? Why does he move from the Word to John, and that is John the Baptist. Well, we are here meant to witness the momentous occasion. We are meant to see that this is a momentous occasion. Already, we see something new is getting ready to take place here with in the beginning was the Word, and now, not haven't gotten to verse 14 yet. So we like to run there, but we haven't got there yet. John chapter 1, verse 14. So we are introduced to John the Baptist here for the first time in this gospel before verse 14, and it says that he was a man sent from God. So these, you know, these words here, they may hit our ears as something akin to the way we talk about calling. So, oh, he's a pastor, so he is called by God to the ministry. God has sent him to be a pastor. Uh, Or, you know, maybe Daniel and his wife Shelley, they are called by God to the mission field. God is sending them on to the mission field. So God, he has called people to do this or to do that. But this, this right here in these verses though, that is not really what this is saying. This is different from what is happening here. Here, God Himself has, by divine revelation, by divine direct calling, sent John. So, Here it says of John, he was a man sent from God in its fullest sense. So something momentous is happening here. So later in this chapter, it aligns John with plans that spanned many years before he was even born. So here is the one whom the prophet Isaiah said would be the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. So taking these words from Isaiah and the words from Malachi, 
John, he comes and he sets forth for us John the Baptist now as a forerunner to the Lord, the forerunner for the Messiah. So 700 years before this moment, John would be foretold. Not the God-man. But here he is. So now notice, I said foretold, not predicted. God does not predict. He does not hope that His words will come to pass. What God says, He will do. And no one will get in the way of that. And these were part of God's sure plans. God, He had orchestrated history in such a way that at this time, in this place, this person would come preparing the way of the Lord. So like I said, God is getting ready to do great and glorious things. And you, the reader, are to be left here prior to verse 14 gasping, what is the Lord getting ready to do? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and now this one crying in the wilderness, He is here too. Something big is getting ready to happen. So this will be a monumental event. And this also then is an event worth not getting over. As is so often the case, we too easily and far too often get over things we should not get over. What happens? We begin losing the wonder, losing the awe, losing the amazement at the workings of God. The first time, you know, people, you know, they see the wonders of God's creation. Maybe you have seen some of these, you know, whether it be like Niagara Falls, uh, Mount Everest. I haven't seen that one or the Grand Canyon, but those are ones that people often just stand back and they wonder at and they say, wow, this is This is incredible. But you know what? A strange thing happens. As people become familiar, especially people who are close to those wonders, that live close to these workings of the Lord, creations of God, as they become familiar with these things, the wonder begins begins to dissipate. So something that once instilled wonder, they now look at and they say, Meh, that's just, that's just Niagara Falls. That, that's just Grand Canyon. That's, oh, that's just Mount Everest. That's, that's really not, not that incredible. And sadly, it, become, it can become the same way with the gospel for us. Meh, oh, that's, that's just the gospel. That's just the incarnation. That's just His death on the cross. That's just His resurrection. That's just the Word of God. Oh, that's just His church. That's just... Meh. We lose 
the wonder at things that we never should have lost the wonder of. And to this, may we say, let the wonder be rekindled in us. Fight that you would not fail to see glorious things and be amazed by them. May God's people never lose the wonder over this great and glorious event. The coming of the Messiah is an event we must never get over. These these verses declare, Behold, God is getting ready to do a wonder that will change the world forever, even into all of eternity. He is getting ready to bring about His long-awaited plans to redeem a lost and needy humanity. Wonder and be amazed. So you read these words in the opening verses of the Gospel of John and we are meant to gasp at what the Lord is doing. And so we are introduced here then to John. And we are meant to witness this momentous occasion. We also need to see. We also need to witness the witness. He came as a witness to the light, to the word, to Jesus. And one thing about John we can learn from as well is he knew his mission. John, he was not the light, but he came to point people to the light. He did not have the water, but he could direct people to the well. And so too, we know our mission, don't we church? We are to testify to what the Lord has done. We are to preach the Gospel. Is this not the mission? Not just for one of us, not just for some of us, but this is the mission for all of us. This is the central mission of Christ's church. Make disciples and disciple. So John, he knew his mission and he wasn't just about, hey, here is the light, but he had more than just that set before him. He wanted people to believe. He wasn't just in the business of saying, hey, here is the light, but he wanted people to come to the light. They didn't, he did not want people to come to him. He was not the light. He wanted people to believe in Christ. And that was his business. He went after faith. Come to Christ. He is the one. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. The Savior that you have been looking for. Repent and believe in Him. And that is our business as well. The heartbeat of the church is to be a constant gospel rhythm. Bum bum. Bum bum. The heart, our heart, is a gospel heart. So let then, let us then 
take up this gospel heart. Let us make it our business to reach souls for Christ. I mean, what an honor it would be to have written on our tombstones. Their mission was to bear witness to Jesus that all might believe in Him. So let us, let us take up our, let us take up, let you take up your witness. In the 1800s, a man named Charles Peace, he had essentially given himself over to a life of crime. So he did various crimes along the way, burglary, which eventually he ended up murdering a policeman and then ending up murdering another man as well. So after being convicted for his crimes on the day of his execution, a chaplain was there, you know, reading from a book. And what was notable, though, in part, was that the chaplain was reading from this book rather unamazed by what he was reading even as he was reading from a book that was describing the gospel, was describing the realities of hell. And so, Peace hears this, and he turns to the man and he said, Sir, if I believe what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it, if need be, on hands and knees, and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. And to such a reply, and to such a Savior, would we be any less earnest? We do believe. So let us be Witnesses for His name. Let us take up our witness wholeheartedly, unreservedly, saying, yes, Lord, You are my Lord, and I will tell people of this good news of Jesus Christ, even if it meant to go across the coast from coast to coast on broken glass, that one person may come to faith in Christ. So let us take up our witness and spread the seed of the Gospel to every corner and crevice that we can. The other day, we were sitting in our living room together, and as we often do, we have a time of family worship, you know, where we will read scripture and often sing a hymn and and pray, and I can't remember all the details of how we got to this, but we were praying for the nations, and and then we started talking about America and, and how deeply America is in need of revival. And uh, Isaiah, our son, he asked us, you know, what is revival? Well, I said, well, it's when, in a special way, the gospel begins to take hold and people start coming to faith in Christ and people even repent of ways they've been walking in and sin. And so we, we need to pray for a revival. Isaiah, so I want to encourage you, pray for that. We, we need that in America. Apart from that, we won't change. And, and then I was like, well, well, wait a minute, though. You know, we, we don't need a localized revival, though. 
we need something bigger than that. We need for America to change. We don't need just people in Alabama, a few people here and there to, to come to faith. We need, we need millions to come to faith in Christ. We need a revival that would include millions upon millions of people returning and turning to faith in Christ. So, son, why don't we pray for the millions? And so I would say, church, let us start praying, not for a small revival, but let us pray for millions to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that, and then we will see God change this nation and not just so we can see a prayer back in schools or whatever else, but we will see the gospel go out and beyond us into other countries and other nations for His great glory. Amen. Let's pray for the millions. But as we, we hear all this and we hear, okay, take up your witness, it is at this very point that we may be tempted to step back and say, you know, I can't do that. I can't go. I can't take this up because the risk is too great. They may not listen to me. They might, you know, reject the message. They may not be my friend anymore. You know, I might not, I might not know what to say. Well, I mean, granted... You may be right in part. They may not listen. They may reject the message. And they may not, you may not know what to say. You know, and, and very honestly, I've experienced all of those as I've shared Christ. But let's observe also. Let's witness the Word who came anyway. He made the world, yet the world did not know Him. The one who made them? We don't know our Creator? We even make up systems to say He is not there? We put our hands up and say we will not worship you. We will worship everything else but you. We will even worship materialism and atheism but it will not be the Creator of the universe. The world did not know Him. And even His own people, His own chosen people, Israel, they rejected their God and they would reject their Savior. The people that God chose for Himself, they said, we will not have you in your covenants. The prophet Isaiah says of them, I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks. So imagine it. The world that God made, the people that He chose And their response and our response is rejection. We don't know you. Get out. You're not welcome here. Why are you here? 
You are not invited. That is our response to Jesus. Continue through the Gospel of John, and that is our answer from the world. You are not invited here. So God, He had every reason not to come. Yet, He came anyway. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. All that, yet, I'm coming. Regardless, I am coming. So, you may have those feelings, those fears, those objections, but you go anyway as well. Follow the example of your Redeemer. There is no rejection that you will face that He did not face. Yet He came anyway. And you have received mercy and now you have the privilege of directing people to the mercy of God. I am not the water. I am not the well, but I can point you to the well and to the living water that never ceases to quench. So, in these last verses then, here we see, we witness then those who respond, the born of God. The born of God, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. And there are two key things that we should note from these verses. First, note the priority of faith. So, in other words, Jesus must be received. Emphasizing, Jesus must be received. You are not receiving an idea. You're not merely receiving a belief. The demons believe and shudder, but they are not Christians. So if you are here and you have said, I believe this, that is not sufficient to merely believe. Nor are you called to a nominal religiosity. No. You are called to receive Him. A person, Christ. Your mind, your affections, and your will, they are to say, yes, it is to Him. He is the Savior. It is Him I desire. It is to Him I go holy and completely have all of me, every part of my life. It is Yours. So every part of you is His. So note the priority of faith. Yet, at the same time, note second, the priority of God as well. Apart from Him, you would continue rejecting Him. You would continue hating Him. You would continue turning 
away from Him. This is not a salvation wrought by you. Neither you nor your grandma's faith can save you. You know, I love, I love my grandparents. So they have now passed on. But I, you know, I remember going to my mamaw's and papaw's house. And, you know, my mamaw, she would cook home-style uh, food, if you know what I mean. Like the home-style kind of food that, you know, there's uh, gravy and you can see the grease on top kind of thing. Well, that's the home style I'm talking about. So when, we, when I would go there, it was just a delight to eat uh, fried everything. Um, and so uh, that's right, home style. You know what I'm talking about. So I love them, you know, and, and they loved me. And they loved me because I was born into the family. You know, I was one of their grandchildren. You know, my parents also, they loved me and they love me now. And they love me because, you know, I'm, I'm one of their children. But this is not how the kingdom of God works. Salvation is not a matter of birth or blood or ethnicity. You are not born a Christian. You cannot be born into this family physically. Neither can you will yourself into this family No amount of work, good deeds, church, Bible reading, or prayer can get you there. Nothing in you can save you. No will of mine, of yours, or of your mom or dad can get you there. This is a birth that is only and ultimately of God. It's supernatural. It's not of you. It's not self-wrought. God seeks us. We don't seek Him. And that has been apparent throughout. He was coming into the world, a world that did not know Him. His people rejected Him. But now God takes the initiative and seeks after those who would never seek Him. No one seeks Him. No, not one, is what Romans 3 says. And so it is that Jesus will say later in the Gospel, and we'll get there as well, no one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws Him. Hence, we are rightly to rejoice at this and say, to God be the glory. So it is in and by grace that He calls you to Himself. He calls you to respond to Him. Come to Him who came for you. Regardless of who you are, receive Him and you this day will be His child. A child of God. So in response to these verses, it may well be that you don't first need to be a witness. You need this witness. And so to you, I ask, will you receive Him today? Will you come to the One whose love and grace is incomparably greater than your rejection of Him? And to those here who are His children, children of God, in response, take up your call also. Take up your witness 
and go anyway, just as He came anyway. Go out. Scatter the seed. Use your mouths and tell of what He has done for you. Witnesses, go witness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words. Help us, Lord, as we have beheld wondrous things. We see this momentous occasion. We see the witness. And we see our own call to take up our witness. We see our rejection. every one of us but we see the one who came anyway so Father we pray that you would help us to go anyway help us to declare this good news even if it be on our hands and knees from coast to coast that we may see some come to faith So help us, Lord, to respond to your word. And I pray, Father, if there's any here right now who need to respond and receive him, not receive a nominal Christianity, not receive a set of doctrines alone, but they're coming to receive Christ in full, the God-man who came to die for sinners. May you work even now and may you work in their hearts and if that's someone here, may they respond by running to Christ and receiving Him. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to be obedient to this call. We all have our fears, but help us to go by your grace. We pray, Father, for anyone here who needs to come forward and just pray these steps or pray with me or just needs to respond. Pray that you would be with any who perhaps need to come forward for membership or baptism. You help them respond. We pray that our demeanor now, all of us would be a heart of response to your word. May you give us grace. May you help us to respond in Jesus' name. Amen.